You're listening to the Product Podcast from Product School, featuring the best product leaders from Silicon Valley and beyond. If you're an aspiring product manager looking for your first PM role, or an experienced PM looking to level up your skills and advance your career, visit productschool.com to learn about our certifications and how we'll get you there. If you want to build products customers love, you need to spend time connecting with their problems. That's where Dovetail can help. Dovetail enables product managers to identify themes, patterns, and insights in their customer interviews, helping them to make better, data-informed decisions about what solutions they should build next. Organizations the world over, like Atlassian, Canva, Nielsen Norman Group, Datadog, GitLab, Sketch, and Deloitte use Dovetail to build better products. Dovetail is free for as long as you need. Sign up at dovetailapp.com. In today's episode, our guest, Expedia Global PM, Doreen Rasayan, is going to be sharing a step-by-step demo on how to do a product teardown. Doreen will be offering up insights that everyone can use, no matter if you're an aspiring PM or have already been in the field for some time. Hey everyone, my name's Doreen, and today we're gonna to be talking about how to do a product teardown. Let me start my screen share and we can get started. So what we're going to be discussing today is how I got into product management, and then we'll spend the majority of the time to discuss how to do a product teardown, also known as a competitive analysis, and tips and things that you should keep in mind as you're going to go through yours. So I started off in a business school studying entrepreneurship and marketing, and in my internship experience, I was fortunate to have a lot of access to large data sets, so managing hundreds of thousands of rows of data and learning how to manipulate that into insights for the teams to use. In addition, as I started to take on more and more projects, I started to learn the skills of prioritization and how to know which projects to work on when. So ultimately, those two key pillars of my foundation led me into an internship at Expedia, um, which ultimately opened the door to a, a career so far at Expedia Group. So where I started at Expedia Group was in the marketing space and search engine marketing. And not only did I still have to continue doing a lot of data manipulation to understand like the demand generation, understand how keywords are doing, change the financials behind the bids and forecast what our upcoming PL would look like. But over time, the PLs that I would manage continued to grow. And I also started to become more of that subject matter expert, understanding based on what market, at what time of year, what type of demand generation we've historically had and other new keyword opportunities, etc. So why these pieces are important is I'm explaining some of the like, skills that got me up until the point where I am today. And with these four areas just depicted here, it led me ultimately into a role of product management, which I absolutely love. So these are all the different little personas and hats that you have to wear as a product manager on a day-to-day basis. And what got me ultimately from search engine marketing into product management were the synergies between demand generation, let's say from search engines like Google and Bing into our websites of Expedia, Hotels.com, et cetera, to as a product manager looking at our marketplace design. So as the product manager of marketplace design and revenue management, um, I started to look at how when a customer is on, let's say, Expedia.com looking for their upcoming travel, are they seeing the most relevant listings? Are they seeing the most relevant hotels? And it's a two-sided marketplace. So what about the hotels that are working with us? Are they able to 
surface the best rates, the best um, photos to see for their customers um, to then ultimately book their hotel. So that's an example of a two-sided marketplace, a customer looking for their upcoming travel versus the hotel that wants to list their hotels in the hopes that someone will book at their property, which you'll see two-sided marketplaces all over. Um, for example, when you're doing shopping online, it's you as a consumer versus the suppliers. Um, and so I got really, became like a real subject matter expert in marketplace place design and revenue optimization, and currently am the marketplace monetization lead, focusing on the advertising solutions that we have at Expedia. Um, and so while I was speaking through that, you could have scanned through some of these different hats you have to wear as a product manager. And a lot of the other product school videos, you'll see other product managers will go through the details of what it's like as a day in the life as a product manager, which I won't spend too much time here. But just want to give you a high level path of how I got here in the hopes if that helps you and you're navigating your career and ultimately what to expect in your day to day. No two days are the same as a product manager. So why is it important for us to even have this discussion on competitive analysis in a product teardown? Well, for those of you that are listening in that are early on in your product management career or would like to get into product management, focus here on the left-hand side of the slide where we're talking about some of the key skills that you'll need to have in the projects you'll work on, like feature specifications of the areas that you work on, market research, recommending A-B tests to see is if the strategies you have are working well or not and things that you should iterate on. And then as you start to move on in your career, analyzing how these releases have been doing, um, coming up with roadmaps. So you're working with all of these different stakeholders, let's say your engineering team, your UX team, um, and a myriad of other teams that you're working with. Ultimately, the product manager is helping dictate what all these other teams are going to be working on. So you'll have to be really crisp on your vision and have a sense of what the upcoming features are so that your other teams can prioritize accordingly. Um, so why I'm showing the slide today is there's a key component here that I believe my discussion will help you in your upcoming career is the market research. So what does a competitive analysis and product teardown look like? First and foremost is defining the problem. So understanding the who, the what, the why, the how of the situation. And for me, I'm going to be using a fun, lighthearted example today. Instead of focusing on travel, um, which is what I do in my day-to-day, -day, um, I'm going to be focusing on something fun that I think we've all had an experience doing or you're likely to do soon. So imagine right now we're all staying at home because of COVID-19, and we'll continue through with this example as we go through these slides. So product teardown, first step is identifying the problem. Second step is identifying your customer and the jobs to be done. So what I mean by the jobs to be done is I um, would, I would ask you to look up Clay Christensen. He's a great Harvard professor who came up really with the term of jobs to be done. And once I had him as as the professor that was teaching this, you'll find um, an example of a milkshake. And once you watch that example, you really understand and change your mindset of what a customer really needs versus what they end up buying. So I'm not gonna go through that example now, but I really invite you to look up Clay Christensen and look up the milkshake example to really explain what the jobs to be done. So what the takeaway from here is thinking about your customers, putting together different personas that really helps you go through the rest of the process of thinking about let's say Doreen. She is stuck at home because of COVID-19. She wants to trust anything that's coming from outside of the house into the house. She's always hungry. And um, we, you can put together these different personas. Or let's say Bob here is also hungry, is thinking about 
to be really health conscious, lives in an urban setting, et cetera, et cetera. So you can come up with these different personas. And then as you go through these different product teardowns, you think through the lens of, let's say, Doreen or Bob and see if the if the features that you're going through would cause be delightful for them or cause points of friction. So that's why a lot of people, you know, the circles method or the pursuit method, they all mention the first and foremost is defining the problem. But second is really thinking about your customer and what their goals are. So what we're going to be discussing today to keep it lighthearted is to talk about pizza. And why we're talking about pizza, there's actually data behind this. So outside of even COVID-19, a vast majority of U.S. consumers do order delivery or takeout at least once a week. And of those that order that takeout once a week, 63% of them are likely to order pizza. So whether you have ordered pizza, you're likely soon to order pizza. I think this fun, excuse me, lighthearted example will help you understand what a product teardown is like in your everyday life. And then you can um, apply these skills to more complex um, areas out there. So what we're going to be discussing looking into today is Domino's versus Pizza Hut. So things that I want you to keep in mind as we go through this, and I'll summarize this also at the end, is again, what's the problem we're trying to solve? Think about the customer. Think about things like what's the funnel like? So when I say the funnel is how many clicks does it take to get through to ultimately get the goal or the conversion that you're looking for? Um, Is it really pretty self-intuitive to go through this? Um, What are the data loops like? So we'll talk through that towards the end of the discussion. And then how well do they meet those jobs to be done. So ultimately, Doreen wanting to order pizza, how does this fit my needs? And just because we're limited on time, I did compress this and compare Domino's versus Pizza Hut to kind of accelerate how you would do a product teardown and show you some side-by-side examples for things to look through. So first and foremost is Doreen's looking to order some pizza and she wants to make sure that she can trust anything that's coming up from outside the home into the home. So I thought it was really interesting that when on page load of dominoes.com is a full page takeover, really instilling the confidence that, hey, we're taking this seriously. We're taking all these different measures. I did look for it on Pizza Hut as well, but you had to scroll below the fold. And what I mean by below the fold is Top of the fold is what you see on page load. And as you scroll through the web page, that's below the fold. So you have to actually search for this. And they do make a mention that they're thinking about taking safety measures, but it it didn't really instill the same trust as this. Another thing to also look through as you're going through this is things like the user experience design. So there's an X mark here, excuse me, there's an X mark here as well as this continue button. Something to think about also is how often do you think people click on this button versus the X? So ultimately, I don't have that data, Domino's would have that data, but there's examples that any of us work at an online company, you'll likely have that data. And things that you would A-B test is how often do people click on one or the other and should you include both? So now you're starting to think about this web page experience through a product mindset without even realizing it. Okay, so now we get onto the landing page and holy moly, there's a lot of pizza going on. So they're both very overwhelming web pages, but on the left-hand side here with Domino's, first thing I'm noticing is the starting of the funnel here. So just right in, you can just start with delivery or carry out. Um, but they also do mention some of their top deals that are going on right now that could be interesting. Um, again, from a product lens, some things to think about is like, why does this particular 
ad have so much more real estate than the others? Is that one more successful? Do they test these out to see which ad they should show here? Um, just again, things to think about. If you were the owner of this webpage, would you test the more expensive item over here? Or do you find over time with doing testing, most people start looking into the top right, for example. Um, on the Pizza Hut side, also spent a lot of real estate discussing this double box it deal. Um, but for me, who knows exactly the type of pizza I want, it was a very interesting way to get into the funnel for Pizza Hut. I would have to click into menu and then choose a custom pizza, which adds unnecessary extra steps, including do I want delivery or carry out? Well, Domino's right here on top does have the two options right here. So you can just jump right into the funnel depending on what you what you need to do. Um, and now we're going to be discussing how, um, how many steps are in the funnel when you're ordering a custom pizza. So what I'm going to be looking to order is a half and half pizza, half mushroom, half Hawaiian. Um, I know pineapple and pizza can be a point of contention, but we'll just go with it. Um, some things that I think was really interesting is as you're thinking through the user experience of this um, side on the left is the Domino's is one they do mention it's Domino's Pizza Builder, although they have their branding on top, they mention again, while Pizza Hut doesn't mention their brand again. The other thing is, depending on, or excuse me, the other thing to notice here is that everything's all in one view and they're setting expectations of what steps I've done and steps to come in the process of customizing my pizza. While over here on Pizza Hut, I feel like the visualizations look really, really nice, but you have to scroll through to get to everything. So you're not gonna ultimately see everything in one view. Also cute that they have a heart-shaped pizza, FYI. So and as we kind of go through this, you're again, we're, it's fun because we're talking about pizza, but you'll start to kind of think through this from a product lens and why it's important. Um, and like as you're thinking through the sizes, there's three standard sizes, for example. What does 14 inches mean to me? Or what do eight slices mean, whether it's a medium or a large? It's hard for someone who isn't really well-versed in pizzas to know how many people that would ultimately feed. Because that's how I'm trying to choose. If I want a small, medium, large is ultimately how many people are going to eat this pizza. So I found that it was really helpful for me that Domino's does indicate, depending on the size you choose, how many people it would feed. So it helped instill like, okay, I'm probably choosing the right size if I'm going to be having multiple people have this pizza or one very hungry person. Product managers spend a lot of time talking to customers. Dovetail helps turn those conversations into better product decisions. With a highly accurate transcription engine and a suite of powerful analysis tools, thousands of product managers use Dovetail to make better, data-informed decisions about what solutions they should build next. Organizations the world over, like Atlassian, Canva, Nielsen Norman Group, Datadog, GitLab, Sketch, and Deloitte, Use Dovetail to gain a greater understanding of their customers and build better products. Try now for free at dovetailapp.com. And then the final thing before I move on is as we go through this, you will notice that Pizza Hut does include pricing as well as calories um, in all of the phases, which is also interesting given that pizza is not generally a healthy option. So do people really want to see their calories associated with something that they know is going to be a guilty pleasure? Um, Instead of, let's say, having all the calories accessible, if you want to go find it, you can get it, but otherwise don't put it right there front and center. So now we're going on to the next step. So previously, we just started off the process. Now we're on to customizing. Again, as I mentioned before, everything with Domino's is right here. So you get an at-a-glance view of everything that you have as options. And both of them do have the option that you can make it light, regular, or extra toppings, as well as what side of the pizza you'd like. I will say the Pizza Hut's visualization of the different ingredients is really helpful, especially for those that may not 
known difference between a bell pepper and a banana pepper. But again, the fact that you'd have to scroll through to see all the different options may not be the best user experience because they've had to click so far through to get to this point. And now they have to continue to like scroll through to find all the items they're looking for. While Domino's has it right here, everything at a glance. And then we're now we're going to be talking through like upsell within the funnel. So what Domino's did, and they both do upsell you extra cheese, but they do it in a slightly different manner. On the Domino's side on the left, they have the verbiage of like cheese, cheese it up with extra cheese, super friendly. Yes, cheese it up. And it's right in the process before you even add your toppings when you're choosing the size of the pizza and the type of cheese you want. Well, Pizza Hut, on the other hand, although they ask you something similar, they don't ask it until the very end after you've customized the pizza, as you'll see my toppings back here. Also interesting, as I mentioned earlier, they have the price of how much more this would cost, as well as it adding 150 extra calories per slice. So as a product manager, if I had owned this page, I would love to test if we added, kept the price in there, kept the calories in there and removed one or the other or both, does that change the number of people that click on adding cheese, please, or not? So those are the kind of things that you'll think through as testing for product management. And then we're going into cross-sell. So now I've chosen the pizza across both. Before I actually pay, I'm presented with these interstitials that show, hey, do you wanna add these extra items? So on the left-hand side, Domino's does show me different items, but they're all kind of in the same category of like breadsticks or twists. Um, but they do have um, a friendly language again of you might also enjoy, would you like to add this to your order with large green call to action buttons and a small no go to checkout and an X mark. So as I was saying at the beginning of this presentation, it would be interesting to see how often people click on one or the other. On the right hand side, again, similar concept of cross selling, but Personally, I didn't love how this was positioned. This one says still hungry, try these. And then they have, you know, a, a different assortment, which I appreciate that they had sweets as well as, you know, more protein options, but they have um, the calorie counts included in some of these. And I don't know, again, if people would still get a breadstick if they knew how many calories were in a breadstick. When you're ordering pizza, it's a guilty pleasure. So kind of going back to the jobs to be done and there's personas, would someone like myself that's ordering pizza for a guilty pleasure want to see something like this? Or let's say going back to Bob looking for a healthy option. That's why going back and creating these personas as you're going through it, although I'm not really doing it at, during this example, is really helpful. So then you can get a sense of if someone who's health conscious but wants this guilty pleasure, would they want to see, were they likely to convert if they see a calorie or a price, for example? And then all of these options are primary call to action buttons. So they're all red buttons to click on, which also would be interesting to test into how often people click on that. So that was Domino's versus Pizza Hut. And the reason why I showed both was again to accelerate showing you two examples of how to do a product teardown. But for the post-purchase experience, so once I've ordered by pizza, I wanted to deep dive into Domino's because I feel like they're doing some really great things here. And I didn't, I didn't know this, but I learned it as I was putting this deck together. Domino's actually was struggling about 20 or so years ago. Sounded like their formula wasn't great. People didn't like the taste of the pizza. Um, you know, it didn't really seem like a brand that people would think associate with, hey, if I want delivery or carry out, I would go to Domino's. They were not doing very well. But after 20, 2010, they really, really turned things around and they invested in technology. And you'll see how that's really played out here. 
So as a post-purchase experience, you're presented with things of, hey, do you want to be able to track your order? They have really fun, friendly verbiage, the way that they present these things. And then this is an example. If you've ever ordered Domino's and you've enabled this, you'll start to get text over time of when your pizza is being made versus when it's being delivered with really fun um, verbiage again as they're going through it. And something that you know a lot of people online are even raving about is this pizza tracker. So being able to visually see like what's what position your pizza's in, who's actually making your pizza, who's actually delivering your pizza, puts that human element behind it, as well as setting expectations of when you should expect your delivery as saying like, hey, you got 30 minutes until this is coming. This is the spot it's in. Would you like to rate this order? Just instilling confidence. This is what you ordered, et cetera. So I think that pizza tracker was a really big hit with Domino's. Another thing that's fairly recent for them is this concept called the dinner bell. So commonly, you're not really eating a pizza by yourself. A very common experience is sharing it with other people. And generally speaking, you're probably texting people in the other room or having people come over. So what what Domino's decided to do is kind of create this experience for you, is if you decide to ring the bell, your friends that you choose from your contacts in your phone will get um, a notification when the pizza has been ordered, as well as a notification when the pizza is about to be delivered. everyone can assemble. So back in the day when they would ring a bell to say, hey, everyone out from the farm, come on in, food's ready. Kind of a virtual sense. I thought that was cute. And then looking at data loops. So why are data loops so important? It's one, it's wanting to make the experience better for every subsequent user that comes and uses this tool. So kind of keeping track of those different elements that I was discussing of testing, what's really testing well, what are people engaging with so that the next person that comes to order a pizza has a better experience than the person that did before. So for example, here you can see when someone opens um, Domino's, they can quickly order something they've ordered before because there's a high likelihood they'll likely order something they've done before. And something you've seen commonly, this is you'll see this across a lot of different delivery sites, is saving your information so your likelihood of ordering that is pretty high. So just making that easy for you to do so. As I already discussed, have being able to send you future deals. So not only will you be able to get notifications as your current pizza is coming, but in the future, if you sign up for that, you'll start to get these cool messages that kind of prompt you to think about, hey, Domino's, like maybe you should get pizza. So some fun things here, if this font is small, is saying National Pizza Month or it's going to be May. So some fun in sync messaging there. But Domino's is just trying to be top of mind um, without pushing too hard. I thought some interesting other considerations here are order with Dom. So their investment in chatbots. So you can either order um, with your voice if you'd like to do so, or you can use the metadata here to order through their chat system. And then the future pizza delivery. So Domino's has been testing out drone delivery as well as self-driving vehicles. Um, I know there's the oven out there because the job to be done is a consumer wants to order pizza and they want that pizza to be delivered to the door hot. So what if we had a pizza truck that made the pizza or kept the pizza hot on its way to your door? So those are kind of the features they could come up with because they're focused on what are those true pain points our customers are feeling and how can we address that? Um, So those are some of the ways that Domino's has really been making strides in their improvement since 2010. And now they're by far one of the largest shares of the pizza market. So here, what you're seeing in blue here is Domino's versus Pizza Hut, as well as um, similar data of how how much their market share is. So a lot of this investment in technology and even the Domino's team, based on what I found online, sees themselves as a technology company that sells pizza. 
So I learned a lot more than I ever thought I'd learn about Domino's and Pizza Hut. But why I did this silly example was kind of to show you something you've probably interacted with before, but to start to get you to think about how would you view this as a product teardown? So first and foremost, you want to define the problem. Why would someone like, for example, define the problem. Someone's hungry. They were likely going to order pizza. They want to make sure it's safe. They, you know, want it to be super easy, et cetera, et cetera. And then you go through the product to get a sense of if I were to tear this product completely apart, what would that experience be like? So when you Google a product teardown, you'll generally find a lot of engineering examples. Like if we took apart this cell phone, what are all the different pieces that make up this cell phone? From a product, especially in the tech world, you're kind of tearing down the whole customer experience and the website. So first and foremost, what's that funnel like? Like how fast can a user get through the experience? Um, because ultimately the faster they can get through it with something that they trust, the more higher likelihood they are to convert and the higher likelihood they are to come back. We did touch on data loops a little bit. So how can we use the data? So as dominoes, how can we harvest all this data and make sure that our products get better and better and ensure that we can build compulsion and social loops so that people have a higher likelihood to come back to our product with the least amount of friction. Um, the pricing strategy, which we didn't get into a ton today, but that would also be an interesting lens to take a look at the different companies out there. Um, the macro level trends, taking a look at strengths and weaknesses as you're going through the different product teardowns. Um, and then another thing to also look at is what happens when you abandon your cart. So I didn't include those screenshots because of time today, but you know, I started to put a pizza together and then I left the website and then I came back. What happened? Um, or if I didn't come back for a week, what happens? Do they send an email? Do they send a notification? If you have those things already set up, any kind of prompts, what happens if I have to contact support? So those are kind of the things to think through. I think very commonly us as consumers have experienced all this, but now you're going to take some of this knowledge in today's session to think about how would you tear this apart? Why have they, you know, visualized things the way they did? Why do they show deals in a certain way? Why do they show ingredients in a certain way? And how can you test that further? And hopefully that will help you take this lighthearted, silly example into more complex areas. So I'll be answering questions on Q&A and let me know if you have any questions on anything I presented today. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the product podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, it would mean the world to us if you would rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Taking the time to write just a few sentences about what you love most about the show will help us improve it and reach even more product people around the world. And when you're done, why not reward yourself with some free product management content and resources over at productschool.com. Until next time, stay product-led.